We have had a great missions conference month, and uh, thank you for being in attendance um, as faithful as you have been. We've had some great messages. I think we've been encouraged today. That really short clip from the Unruhs wasn't that great. I, I've enjoyed those messages from the missionaries, and uh, I think that just really helps us feel like you know we're maybe more a part of their our ministries as we are as we, as we give. There is something that um, the last two preachers commented about when they were here, and and maybe you know I heard more of this than you did because I had the chance to entertain them after the services, but. Um, they just commented on the culture of Eastland. And, you know, my hope has always been, well, we invite people to come. Um, you know, I, I want them to be a blessing to you. It's a new voice, maybe a fresh perspective, a different take on texts we've heard before. And I think we had that with the last two guys who are here. They did a really good job. But I, I want us to be a blessing to them as well. When they leave, you know, I want them to take a little bit of Eastland with them. And I, I just want to thank you for depositing that encouragement in them. Both those guys and their families, when they left, just kind of gushed about the blessing they felt like they received when they were here. And that, that's just a gift that you all can give to people when they come through here, just being that kind of encouragement. I want to thank you for that. I think for us to be thoughtful and intentional about our culture is really important. Um, I, I talk about that often. You know, it's just, we're just not going to, we're not just here as an, um, a crowd. We're a church family. You know, we're, we're members here, and, and, and building a culture uh, is really important, especially if that culture is rooted in the Word of God. The Bible should develop a culture in its, its membership. A culture is defined as a way that a group of people act. That includes codes, manners, customs, of course, language, maybe things we might call rituals. Culture allows for sustainability, predictability, and, and also identify, you know, being identifiable. Um, you know, let me give an example. When uh, a new coach comes into maybe a football team and they've not had necessarily successful seasons, the first thing that the coach addresses is not necessarily X's and O's, but the culture, which is about attitudes, expectations, and ways of behaving. And, you know, I want us to be deliberate about the culture we have. Not all culture is equal. Um, they're just not. The Christian culture is superior to every other culture because it is Christian. And as a church, I want us as a, as a group of people to have an identifiable culture. And I'll talk about the different stripes of that garment on occasion. And tonight I'm trying to wed a couple of thoughts. I want to continue thought about giving, but also encourage you to continue to have the kind of culture that Paul's going to talk about tonight. So let me ask you to stand with me if, you, if we would. We're going to read a very familiar text out of 2 Corinthians 8. It's one that is often preached as it relates to giving. I'm going to focus on the latter part of the verses. We're going to read uh, verse 1 all the way to verse 14. Um, I think by now many of you know the context of this. Um, the Apostle Paul is encouraging the Corinthian church to give. He'd been there a year ago, and, and now he's back, and um, they're, they were uh, faltering on their promise and their pledge. And so Paul's lifting up the Macedonians. We know that as the book of Philippians, the Philippian believers as an example of what giving looks like. And so here's his communication to that local church assembly about the kind of giving and the kind of culture that the Lord expects from his church. Verse number one, he says, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. Think the book of Philippians. How that in great 
trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. Okay, that's kind of a language we might not use anymore. He's saying this, even though they were poor and in distress themselves, they gave very generously. In circumstances that some people might choose not to be generous, these people still chose to be liberal or generous or to give is what he is saying. Verse three, for to their power, I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves. And he's talking about giving, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, and not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. Insomuch that we desire Titus that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. Paul wanted to see in the, in the Corinthians what he saw in the Philippians. Therefore, as you abound in everything, in faith and in utterance and in knowledge and in all diligence and in your love to us, see that you abound in this grace, the grace of giving also. Now, I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others and to prove the sincerity of your love. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. And herein I give my advice, for this is expedient for you, who have begun before not only to do, but also to be forward a year ago. Now therefore perform the doing of it. Keep your promise, keep your pledge. That as there was a readiness to will, so there may be a performance also out of that which ye have. So now comes the principle uh, that Paul wants in the church. For if there be first a willing mind, it is acceptable according to that a man hath, and not according to he hath not. For I mean not that other men be eased, and ye be burdened, but by equality, that now at this time your abundance may be supplied for their want, that their abundance also may be supplied for your want, that there may be equality. Our Holy Father, for the next few moments, as we consider, Lord, your word, the Lord, just as the Apostle Paul had a heart and a desire, Lord, for the grace of the Macedonian churches to be present also as a grace in the Corinthian church, Lord, it is our desire that the grace of giving in this way would be present in the membership of Eastland Baptist Church as well. I ask for your help with this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for standing. 2 Corinthians 8 was written by the Apostle Paul to a local church that we call the Church at Corinth, or the Corinthian Church. And this section of Scripture was meant to be an encouragement to them to continue on, to press on, and to keep a pledge to help the church at Jerusalem that the Apostle Paul had, had come and solicited a year earlier. On uh, one of the um, missionary journeys of the Apostle Paul, he became aware of a, of a great need in the church of Jerusalem. This is really the place where the gospel went out. We don't know specifically what the need was. Um, most people assume it was a great famine at that time, and that literally the people of the church of Jerusalem maybe were starving. They, they were in a great trial affliction. They, they were without. There was a situation that they could not remedy themselves. The Apostle Paul was going from church to church to church and saying, hey, I'm here to present this message, but also the church of Jerusalem needs help. 
and, I, and I'm going to come back or I'm going to send Titus or Timothy. And when, when we come back in a year, we're going to collect this offering and we're going to take it back to Jerusalem to be, to be a blessing to the saints there. And so Paul is doing just that. He is soliciting this help from these congregations to give. And he is now making his way back, at least getting ready to come back about a year later. It was reported to Apostle Paul through some means that the Corinthian church, who had started well, who had made an ambitious pledge, and they began giving on a weekly basis, and that's described first in 1 Corinthians 16. That was just the way they were collecting the offering on a weekly basis. That they had started well, but they were falling behind on their promise and their pledge. Their commitment was faltering. And so he writes this letter we're reading to encourage and exhort them to re-engage in their pledge, not to be discouraged, but to reaffirm that which they had started to do. And so as we know, he starts up by holding up an example. And, and we all, we understand examples. When we see something, then we, we, we get it in greater measure. And so he holds up this, these Macedonian churches. Philippi would have been the chief among them. And he says, you, you all know um, about the Philippian church, and they've been through a great trial of affliction. They are barely eking out a living. They, they are, they're hardly making it. They are poor themselves, yet despite their poverty, despite their troubles, they've been incredibly liberal. By that, I mean generous. And, and, they, and they have given, and, and, and not as we maybe even expected, but they gave beyond that. They, they gave according to their power, and then they gave by a greater power, by, by the power and the grace of God, and, and not just money, but they were willing to give of themselves in some way. Maybe they were willing to go to Jerusalem, maybe they were willing to be a help, but these people were giving all they had, all they could to be a help and a blessing. They were giving in a sacrificial way. And he's, he's saying to Corinthians, and man, that's a great example for you all too. This is the kind of culture, this is the kind of giving that God expects of his children. So he exhorts them to understand this, that giving is a grace, it's not necessarily always uh, easy, but it's something we grow in. It's a kind of discipline that people can grow in, and we can do that with God's help. He goes on to say that giving is a proof of our understanding of God's goodness to us and His goodness in our lives. And when we understand that He's been good to us, we should want to reciprocate that goodness and that grace to other people. Giving is a way of sharing and reciprocating God's goodness, and it's an evidence that we love God and we love other people. And so then he teaches us that Jesus did this. He's the ultimate example. And he proved his love for us and that he gave to us. And he just didn't give money. He gave his life. And so he that was rich became poor, as we said this morning, that we might become rich. And so Christ is held up as the ultimate example of grace giving in that kind of attitude. So now Paul is concluding his appeal by saying... Now, you made a worthy pledge. Now, perform what you promised. And before Paul leaves this subject, he will add a kind of final admonition, an additional argument for giving. It is found in these final verses that I want to redirect your attention to in verses 13 and 14. And I want to read these again so we can think about this. So Paul's encouraging to follow the example of the Macedonians, especially encouraging to follow the example of the Lord Jesus Christ. But now he, he talks about culture, like what should be found in the church. And he says, now for I mean, not that other men be eased and you be burdened. Okay, 
He said, I'm not asking you to give so someone else doesn't have to. So that, that's not what I'm after. I'm not trying to make life harder for you. For I mean not that there are other men be easy to be burdened, but by an equality, a shared distribution, um, everyone giving. And, 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 and if you go back a verse, giving based on what they have, not what they don't have. And we understand some people have more means than others, but you know, out of the abundance God gives you, you should give but by an equality that now at this time, your abundance, you have more money than the, the people in Jerusalem, that your abundance may be their supply. And hey, maybe one day they're going to be in abundance and you're going to be in want and then they can give back to you. And that's, that's sort of the way things are supposed to work. And that's how things even work in the church. There's times when we have and someone may not have and we can give to them. And there's sometimes maybe they have and we don't have and people can give to us and, and not just money. You know, maybe a time when you come to church and your spirit's down and it's really hard maybe to muster a smile and you come in here and you know what you need? You just need to be encouraged. You need to be lifted up. And so you walk in here and someone, you know, they've had a great week and they've got an abundance and they, and they shake your hand and we're, we're glad to see you and they're seeing out. And so you, you kind of had the slack, but, you, but, but boy, you are lifted by the abundance of their liberality. And then, you know, next week you, you've had a great week and you know, life's been good to you and you have that now. And maybe some of these people who earlier have been encouraged by you, you, you're that for them. The church is a place where we both come to receive and it ought to be a place where we also come to give. And that reciprocation just makes sure everyone's need is always met. Paul here is communicating an idea. He's communicating a principle and he's giving application um, that time and talents and treasures and the responsibility of ministry should be equally shared. And I often talk about this here. It's, um, it's all of our jobs to be everything uh, that Eastland needs us to be. I have a role. You have a role. Uh, Jesse has a role. But John, Daniel, different people have different roles. But here's the thing. Uh, when someone walks in who's lost, they should be convinced of all. And that means the difference maker for some people might be your singing or your spirit or your willingness to take them to a classroom when somebody else who's assigned that task can't do it. In other words, we are all equal members together here at Eastland Baptist Church. And no one of us shares any greater responsibility than any other of us to make sure this place is, is a success in God's eyes. And so you may be thinking, well, you know, I don't, I don't have a lot of talents or treasures or whatever else. Listen, your contribution is as valuable as anybody else's. We are, we are a house built together. We are all living stones. If you're a member here, you have been placed here by God Almighty in His great sovereignty. We can't use some argument that we're not vital or important. I mean, you're important. Um, it might be someone who sits over here by Fred and Sharon. That's where a guest may be sitting or maybe just someone from the church. And those are the only two who can be the encouragement that they need. So you guys have to hold up that section. You got to do your part. All kinds of people who come here, their eyes naturally gravitate to the teen section because they're curious what teenagers are going to be like. So when you're engaged and you're, you're participating and you're paying attention, other people notice that. That's a valuable part of the ministry of Eastland Baptist Church. Some older people come in here and they attend the seniors class and they're just looking for some encouragement in life. 
So the people who attend that class, that's a major part and component of Eastland Baptist Church. When they go to the young marriage class, they see young people engaged in the ministry, serving different places. That is incredibly important. Everything that all of us do makes a difference. It's vital. We all together equally share in the responsibility of this place being everything that it's supposed to be. I cannot do that part all by myself. Matter of fact, God, God doesn't even intend that. I play a singular role here, and you play a role as well. And that makes a difference to people. It's really neat when the choir sings. It's even better when the congregation sings. That's, that leaves an impression. They're supposed to sing. They're up front. But when you and the pew sing, like you're engaged, and you're lifting up your voice... I can't tell you how many churches that we've visited and the only people singing are the people on the platform. And the people out here just kind of, you know, going through the motions. That's not what we want. That's not our culture. When we sing, everyone's singing together to an audience of one, and that's the Lord. And so he's teaching this, this idea of equally sharing the responsibility and he goes on to say, the helping shouldn't be a burden of just a few, but of all. Everyone should be responsible for the success of what happens here. When everyone participates and gives and helps, and this is the first thing he's kind of teaching in the text, in this last part of the text anyway. When everyone participates, when everyone gives, when everyone serves, when everyone helps, then a couple of things happened. The first thing that happens is this is that no one is overly burdened, okay? When we have eight, 900 people engaged, all of us engaged in the ministry, then no single one person is going to be exploited or overburdened or worked to death. Because we're all sharing together in this equally. And so when everyone helps, no one is overburdened and no one escapes responsibility. Okay? No one escapes responsibility. If you're helping, then you are not evading responsibility. Rather, you're being a help. When we all equally share the load, no one has to do too much and no one does too little. This is the principle he's, he's, he's teaching to the Corinthians. And so Paul's saying to this group, I'm not asking you to give to others so they don't have to give, but I'm asking you to participate so that a few other people don't have to do too much. I don't want it to be easier and or harder on anyone than it has to be. You see, in life, there are two things that are harmful to us that can negatively impact our character, our spirit, and our heart. And I think everyone here can probably relate to both these in some measure. One thing that can hurt our spirit, can hurt our heart, is to do too much. Especially we do too much for too long. Okay, now most of us can identify with that in some area of our life, right? Where we have wholeheartedly given ourselves to something and we were well-intentioned and we gave ourselves to, to the right thing, but we did a whole lot for a long time. And <clears throat> sometimes that, that can hurt us. Men and women can be pressed, and we should be for a time. We can give much. As a matter of fact, most of us can give of life and time and resources more than we think we can. But to have to do so for too long can break us. Okay, like, so 
you know, an engine, I don't know, I guess most engines today can go 100,000 miles, 200,000 miles. You know, these cars can go fast. But if you push its limits too long, too hard, and you don't give it a rest, you don't change the oil, guess what the, the machine's going to do? It's going to break. A bridge can carry a great load for a long time, but if you get too much weight on it over too long of a time, the stress will crack it and it will fail. Well, as humans, you know, we, we are not that dissimilar. We can carry great burdens. We can do great loads. As a matter of fact, we can do far more than we think we can. And in the process, we can grow stronger. But if the burden, if we don't have these seasons of rest so we can be strengthened to come back and do the work again, we can break. We can break. And I have seen this many, many times. Um, limited stress and strain is good for you. That's how muscles grow, is they work, they're made weaker, and then the rest, they grow stronger and they can carry a greater load. A lot of us would benefit from a heavier load so we could be stronger. But if we do too much for too long, then we, you've heard these terms, burnout, blow up, panic attack, uh, quitting, bad attitudes. So, you know, I, I'll come to people sometimes in a ministry and they've been there, you know, five, six, seven years. And I love people like this. And I'll say, hey, it might be a good idea for you to take a break. And sometimes I feel a little offended by that. Well, am I doing a bad job? No, you're doing a bad job. And why should I sit out for a little while? And this is the principle. You know, it's, it's, just, it's okay for people to take a break sometimes. The reason I want you to take a break is so you come back and do what you've been doing again in the future. But, you know, you, you, you can wear a good horse out. I'm not referring to anybody here as a horse. I'm just simply saying. <laughs> you got to let the horse rest and get water, and then you can ride it some more. And that's what we all need here, you know. And, and so we encourage younger people to get involved in the ministry. And it, it's not that we're trying to exclude you or you're doing a poor job. No, just on the contrary, we, we love and value you. And we need your contribution to continue over the rest of the time of your membership here. Um, negative consequences happen when we ask too few to do too much. But secondly, here's the other thing that can hurt our hearts and spirits, was when we do too little. We don't contribute enough. That's equally harmful. See, inactivity can make us lazy. It can make us unthankful. And it, we forfeit strength. You know, um, when things decay, when things are not used, and our spirit can do that. When people don't help, it's easy to develop a welfare mentality. When people aren't involved, they can get an attitude of entitlement. When people don't help, they have limited sense of loyalty and buy-in. You know, I tell you, you know, if, if, if Eastland's not real important to you, you can fix that. You know, don't wait for me to fix it. I'll never make you happy. You can love this place more by giving and serving and helping the people here more. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You want this place to be important to you and your kids? Well, invest in it. Stop being marginal. Get involved. Actually serve. Do something. Um, participate in the equality. And so the Apostle Paul is trying to avoid both these extremes, working people too hard so they burn out and, we're, and not having these people do anything so they develop these negative attitudes. 
See, there's one thing in this room tonight that everyone in this room shares. We all share willingness. We all share willingness. Some are willing to do the work that is required. And others are willing to let them do it. <clears throat> That's supposed to be a smile. <laughs> that is not what Paul is after. It's not what he wants. Seriously, if your eyes are open, there are people here that will do anything and everything to make something happen. Right? There are people here. I mean, if it needs to be done, it's going to get done. Like I have 100% confidence in that. If we're having an event, that event's going to get done. If, we have an, if, we're, if we're going to do whatever, we have significant numbers of people who will do anything to go get the water to bring it to those who need it. It's just that's, that's part of the... It is part of the culture here at Eastland. There are those people that just will make things happen. It's just who they are, and it would kill them for something not to go well. That's descriptive of the Macedonians. So, so you're telling me there's, there's people in Jerusalem who are struggling? And, uh, I, you know, because they're starving? And so they hear about this well, we want to help. And so they start helping. And they keep helping. And, and then maybe they hear about some lack from the church, but we'll make it the difference. Well, if we have to, we'll give of ourselves. We'll go take care of this ourselves. That's, what that's what's happening here. And that's great to have people like that. Um, but Paul, as a matter of fact, there's so much plot to say, I need you to stop. Because I, I don't want you to hurt yourselves or your spirit. I need you to let other people participate in the offering. So Paul is appealing to those who were doing very little to help. They were not involved. And he was saying, come on and do your part by equality. See, that's a principle. Don't do too little. We don't have to do too much. Just by equality, we all have to participate. And there's a second idea he gets here. The second idea is this, is that fairness and equality is something that all of us expect. Right? Fair, equality is a kind of fairness. Equality is a virtue and a right that everyone in this room, I think, is going to insist on. Is that fair? Okay. You're gonna, I think we expect that. Um, we really don't want to be, as human beings, to be treated unfairly. Matter of fact, when we feel like we're being treated unfairly, we tend to protest or complain. You know, I don't get notice. I don't get this. I, whatever it might be, we tend to protest. So, as, you know, as a Western culture, especially, we're all about equal rights, equal values, equal concerns, equal consideration. We don't want to be unequally picked on or unequally treated. We live in a very egalitarian society. Now, that has some pluses, and you press that too far, that has some definite minuses. That's another sermon. But it's fair in the point we expect to be treated fairly. Okay, we all good with that? So if you want to be treated equal, act like you're equal. 
Is that fair? Treat me fairly. You be fair. I, I, I want to be treated like I'm important than be that. In other words, we, we come in here, if you want to be an equal, please do so. Okay? Join us in giving. Join us in serving. Join us in singing. Join us in, in sacrificing. Join us in helping. If you want to be treated equal, feel free. Be equal. Participate. Help. I, I, you say that's, and I don't mean to be unkind with my attitude. I'm, I can be sarcastic. I don't mean to be. But, but that we, just, we, we just can't get that. We walk in here and you know, we act like um, we're entitled to stuff or whatever. And um, we've got to be real careful to guard our hearts on, on that. If you, if we, it's fair for all of us to participate in what we expect others to provide. Can I say that again? It's fair for us to participate in what we expect other people to provide. There's this benefit to sharing equally. No one's overburdened. No one becomes lazy. And then everything that's required to be done gets done. And, and things we want and need, well, sometimes we can provide it, and then sometimes we need others to give it. Okay, I, I make this eminently practical. Um, there's, there's some things we don't notice until it's absent, but like there's a yard out there around the building that gets mowed every week. You don't even think about it because it gets done. And by the way, it's very well done. And it's mowed and it's edged and it's trimmed and bushes are done. And this summer's been a little harder because it's been really hot, so things get watered. And then things still died because it was 100 degrees forever. Okay. You don't have to answer out loud. But aren't you glad that gets done? I am. You think if it wasn't done that the community might notice? You think it can negatively impact our testimony? Absolutely it can. How do you think that gets done? Well, we pay for it. Well, there's a lot of things we pay for here, but that's something that our membership does. In other words, there are men who get up on a Saturday morning. Um, I don't know what time they get up. They get up on a Saturday morning, and they, there's crews, and they come and they mow it. I'm grateful for them. I'm very grateful for them. It, they provide a testimony in a way that a thousand of, of us in here singing at the height of our, our ability, we, we may not give a, a testimony as much as the, as the guy driving by in his car who sees our grass mowed. And they're thinking they care about that property. <clears throat> There's a nursery that's happening right now. And there may be screaming babies back there. And they may be protesting that we're in here too long. <laughs> Aren't you glad that there are ladies back there with your crying babies? I am. Who's taking care of them? Well, ladies from our church. And those same ladies who do that, the fair majority of them want to be in here. And so if there was inequality, well, I don't have kids anymore. Okay, that's, that's just really poor. Okay? 
Um, there's some things we, we, we can't keep doing forever, but there's some things we, we can do for a long, long time. There's things that need to be cleaned. Sunday morning, there's children's programs. We expect there to be a missions program. Someone's got to give that, outreach. You get the idea. And I'm not being unkind. I'm just encouraging us as a church culture to think we ought to participate in what we expect others to provide. Okay? That's important. That's how work gets done. That's how no one gets overburdened. And that's how no one does too little. You know, so the applications here are very simple tonight. Now I'm going to finish. Eastland has lots of ministries. I don't think many of them are frivolous or unnecessary. Um, I think the things we do are thoughtful. And every ministry meets a need. Nursery, parking lot, security, ushers, choir, teaching, helping, on on. All those people who serve in there, they are an unimaginable blessing. I'm grateful and I'm thankful. But those same people doing that on occasion would love to hear the song sung by the choir and the kids tonight. And they want to come here and just be preached to. And, you know, I was telling someone before service tonight, I said, I, I know I'm the pastor here, but I'm also a member. And, you know, I enjoy, to a degree, what I'm doing right now. But honestly, an incredible gift to me over the last couple of years is sitting right back there by my wife and listening to Brother Daniel and the staff guys preach. I like being a member here as much as I like being a pastor here. That's kind of a neat, I don't know if it's a gift you allow, but um, I enjoy that. I don't mind wearing the mantle of responsibility and back there for 30 minutes, for an hour sometimes. It's nice to forget it for just this much time and, and just to receive be ministered to and I think everyone's like that there's just a time when we all got to give and there's a time when I think everyone needs that as well and so you know we need everyone to tithe we you walk in here you expect the lights to be on you expect the pews to be fairly padded we like the climate control you know there's a lot of things in here and people aren't just giving this stuff away and so someone's got to pay for it. So help us. Be a part. By equality. What you, what you can give may be different than somebody else can give. But here's the deal. All of us have something to give. And so to give it. That's, just, it. that's fair, isn't it? Be a part of what you expect others to provide. We think negatively of those who don't do that in society, in the world, and in government. Right? We, we're fairly conservative people. And we don't like sometimes the, the, the libertine attitude of subsidized giving and what it does to people. Because what it does to people is destroy them. And that would be true in the church as well. Help with the nursery. Ask if there's something that you could do outside. Um, ask if there's something you could do inside. Inquire about a ministry that, that fits you. I understand all people are gifted for all things. But there's a lot of diversity here. We, we can meet all the needs of everything that needs to be done. Um, be a help and a blessing to others so they can be a blessing to you in turn. There's so many things here that need to be done. We need people to watch over the cars while we're in here in security. We need ushers. We need greeters. It makes a huge difference to see someone out here uh, just saying hello to us. 
We need more people in these things so there can be a great rotation so no one be overly burdened and no one you know, rest at ease, but by inequality, everyone can be healthy and appropriately happy. So my coaching thought and appeal tonight is this, help those who are helping by helping yourself. Help those who are helping. Be a part of what we expect, all of us together to provide.